A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Who's a Good Dog? I'm Kate Lever, journalist and author of the book Good Dog. My usual co-host, Bertie the Dog, has actually been banished from the recording room today because he had too many opinions about squirrels. On each episode of Who's a Good Dog, I talk to a wonderful person about their canine companion. Today, I'm so happy to be speaking to Marley Silver. She is a Gamilaroi and Dunguti woman speaking to us from Sydney, but we pay our respects to the original custodians of the land there, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Marley hosts a podcast called Always Was, Always Will Be Our Stories about Indigenous role models and a sport podcast called Chicks and Balls. She's written a book called My Titter, My Sister. She also has two very handsome dogs called Piper and Ziggy. Marley, thank you so much for joining me. Now, I'm not suggesting I would ever judge a person for being less obsessed with dogs than me, but I do really respect anyone who loves them like I do. And I suspect you are one such person because when I asked you to come on this podcast, you said, and I quote, I love my dogs more than life. (laughs) Have you always loved dogs that much? (laughs) Oh, I, it's just so funny um, to even hear that back because sometimes I'm very aware of how much I sound like a crazy dog person, but I'm not ashamed by that at all. <laughs> you shouldn't be. And I've grown up in a household where dogs have always been the centre of our world. My first dog I actually got for my fifth birthday. Mm. Um, so his name was Simba and he was a Border Collie and he was there for my first day of school and my last day of school. So, um, you know, in, in year 12 when I graduated. So he was such a big part of my life. But it's interesting now because the two dogs I have now, getting them as an adult makes your relationship with them very different as well. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, we're we're very big dog people in our house and it's, I swear I'm like just surrounded by dog people or maybe I've just picked friends who love dogs. <laughs> I think it's probably quite a good move because yeah. I think friends that don't love dogs really have to put up with a lot. Um, <laughs> like some of my friends have started having babies and they'll send me pictures of their babies and I'm like, oh, so sweet. Here's uh, 10 pictures of Bert from this morning. <laughs> So it's good to surround yourself with people who get it. Can you tell me a bit about the stars of today's show, Piper and Ziggy? 
how old are they? What breeds are they? What do they look like? As this is not a visual medium. <laughs> yes, well, I can talk about this all day. But so Piper, she's our oldest girl. She's now seven years old and she is a Kelpie cross. She's got a bit of Border Collie um, and some Labrador in her as well and a bit of Blue Cattle. So oh, right. we're big into working dogs in our family. Um, like I mentioned before, my first dog was a Border Collie. We had, we have her um, that we got after Simba passed away and then a couple of years later, this is a good story. So this is how Ziggy came into our lives. He is a purebred blue cattle and a very large one. That's what everyone always comments on. He's so big. Um, so he's actually, we found out a Smithfield blue cattle, which is a particularly large breed um, that are from Queensland. We, we didn't know anything about that sort of stuff, but my sister, after we got Piper and she was about two years old, was constantly talking about how she wanted to get a second dog and she didn't like when all of us were out of the house working that Piper was at home by herself. So she really wanted a second one, really wanted a second one. Um, but my parents were adamant, no, we're just going to have the one and, you know, it's a lot of work and blah, blah, blah. You still don't pick up the dog poo. Why do you think it's okay to get a second dog? <laughs> uh, and then mom and dad went to America for two weeks on a holiday and my sister saw an advertisement about a litter of blue cattle puppies that needed to be rescued and were in a kill shelter and she was very sold and saw this as an omen as, as this was her opportunity to get this second dog. Um, if you've ever seen a blue cattle puppy, they are extremely adorable. Oh, I have. They're so beautiful. And she had mentioned to me that, you know, she was going to go and get one of these dogs. And I thought she was joking and she wasn't going to tell mum and dad. And she was like, they need to be rescued. Like, look at her, them. They're so beautiful. This is a perfect opportunity. This would be the perfect um, playmate for Piper. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure you are. Whatever kind of thing. And... <laughs> I was at work the next day after she'd mentioned this to me and she just sent me a picture of her holding this very cute, tiny cattle dog and she was like, meet Ziggy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, no, please, please tell me you're lying because my father is going to be so mad about this. And I came home and he was there and then it was like, I was so excited because he was amazing, but also terrified because of what my, my mum and dad would say when they got home. So she didn't tell them. She sent them a text when they got, were getting on the plane to come home to Sydney. And um, at first, dad just, like, didn't talk to us when he got home because he's like, what is going on? Um, and then he had this, like, big dramatic kind of acting like he was finding a new family for Ziggy for about two weeks and then it was pretty obvious that he was more in love with the dog than we were and um, he sent us a text message, a group text message being like, all right, I found a, a home for Ziggy, like he's going to go with this new family, it's going to be great. And we were like, no, blowing up. And he goes, the family's us. Uh, <laughs> a classic dad joke. A yes. classic dad joke. I feel like I've brought this up maybe several times on this podcast, but one of my favourite genres of internet video and probably human beings is dads who pretend they don't want dogs and then demonstrate that they actually love them more than anyone else in the household. It is so funny and so sweet. I remember my dad, when my dad and my stepmom got got a new dog and, and then he was sort of 
pretending he wasn't that keen and now he carries treats in his pyjama pocket so that he can provide treats at all times but also dramatically tells everyone like oh I don't know why they follow me around the house (laughs) (laughs) and several times has been found just lying on the floor next to them stroking them Uh, so it's a very beautiful transformation to see Um, I also really respect your sister's play there just wait till they're out of the country get a dog and be confident enough in the level of cuteness of that dog that it will just work yeah I know and she's never done anything like that before and when we were (laughs) you know going through school and that it's not like we we ever push the boundaries or like through parties when they're away or anything but that's what she kind of pointed to she's like growing up we never did the wrong thing yeah she was actually just fresh out of school when this happened and um she was like yeah this is the worst thing I've ever done and how how bad is that like oh yeah I mean your parents should be grateful they should (laughs) have a little parent conference between themselves and say like how good are we that the worst thing our kids did was bring home a perfect dog. <laughs> exactly. Well, perfect is not the word I would oh, use to okay. describe <laughs> I mean, I do, I do want to hear about both of their personalities and what I want to ask you is about their particular dynamic between the dogs because I have one dog called Bert who's a Shih Tzu and I often fantasise about filling my home with more and more Shih Tzus. And to be honest, like, <laughs> I feel that when I get older, I will. But my boyfriend always brings me back to reality. Basically, he talks me down by saying, like, if we get a second dog, Bert will want to be best friends with the dog and not you. And then I'm like, oh, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> well, we better just have one. So... Tell me, is that the dynamic in your household that the dogs are the best friends and then there are the no. humans? Uh, no, no, ah, no, tell no, me, tell not me. at all. <laughs> That's not the thing you have to worry about when you're, you're getting a second dog. <laughs> the thing that you have to worry about is how they will fight each other for your attention. Oh. So, Ooh. I mean, Piper <laughs> is a lot quieter. She's always been a really quiet, placid, very, very sweet dog. Um, and Ziggy is the rat bag, you know, he's the young buck who's come in looking to be the alpha dog, uh, but Piper won't let him do that, which is like, I'm quite proud of her. She's really held her ground as the older dog, but he gets really jealous if we give Piper too much attention. And it's almost like, he's like, no, that's my Piper. And and then at the same time, he wants all the attention from us. He just wants everything. He's he's quite um, greedy in that sense. And like I said, he's a big dog, so he, he just wants to eat all the time too. But it, it's interesting because while they do fight and they have, they do have had some pretty intense fights, they also love each other very much. So when he was a real puppy, um, Piper's mother instincts kind of kicked in and, and she mm. would really look after him and they slept together and all that kind of stuff. But now, like, they're constantly kind of kissing each other and when they're separated, they're very, very distressed. So, um, you know, if one of them has to go to the vet or... One of them goes for a walk without the other. The other one is just distraught while they're away. So it's sweet because they do obviously really love each other a lot. And they, you know, it it was a good decision in in the fact that when lockdowns aren't happening and all of us are at work or people aren't home for long periods of time, you know that they're not lonely. Mm. But it's, yeah, definitely (laughs) a lot. They're they're kind of fighting for our attention or it, it can get a little bit tense at times. But I'm glad they have each other. Same. So lovely. And so tell me a little bit more about Ziggy's rat bag behaviour. What what naughty yeah. stuff does he do? 
Oh my goodness. Well, it started from the get-go. He just has this insatiable appetite. And when he was a really small puppy, um, he started eating inanimate objects when he didn't have food. (laughs) So... And it got quite dangerous and he's quite lucky because he did eat a nail once. Oh, no. And we had to, yeah, (laughs) and we figured out he'd done it when he went to go to the toilet and started, like, squealing. He was probably four or five months old at that point and the vet said it's lucky that he was that age because his intestinal tract was quite short that it didn't it didn't pierce anything because it had a short way to kind of go mm-hmm. and so that was the first one and then he started eating like we have a deck out the back and he was chewing on some of the wood and got a massive splinter and it's very similar <sighs> stuff so he's quite traumatized by vets having stuck their fingers up oh, his bottom yes, yes um yes, so he you know if he's lying on his back for a tummy rub tail's always covering that area and he's like quite <laughs> if you touch him in uh, on his bottom he gets like quite scared because he's afraid of those sorts of things I know this sounds ridiculous he's he is a silly silly dog like he he did that kind of stuff but then at the same time like he's so crazy and he'll jump all over the place and um he's hard to keep a, a hold of because he is so strong but then he's really sweet and he has like these stuffed animals of his that he treats like his babies oh. so we'll say get your baby ziggy and he like takes these teddies and he like licks them and cradles them and and all that kind of stuff so it's it's a weird kind of <laughs> contrast of this this dog who has like you know Blue cattles can have really scary barks, but he's the biggest softie ever yeah. with people. I feel like people just characterise dogs as good dogs and bad dogs and actually they're yeah. like complex emotional beings. He, if you got too close to a cat, he could be pretty vicious too because I've seen him. He's pulled out of my hand while, while being on walks and things. And actually, I'm just remembering, a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, <laughs> we're walking past a house and the front door was open and... A kitten walked past the front door and he sprinted through a random person's house. Oh, no. (laughs) That was dramatic. Um, Luckily, the homeowner was very understanding and she kind of just laughed it off. And she was like, I can't believe that just happened. I was just making lunch in the kitchen and this dog just runs through the house. Oh, my God. So funny. My dog dug under our garden fence once on a rainy day, got covered in mud in the next door neighbor's garden and then just let himself into their home. Um, The door was open (laughs) in their back garden. And um, so I ran around, knocked on the door, went in. By the time I'd gone in to go and get him, he had put his muddy paws all over their white sofa. Just so thoughtful to just go that far. (laughs) I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I told my producer, Ali, I was in a particularly crazy dog person mood yesterday afternoon when I was just making some notes for this interview. And this question, I think you've already answered, but... (laughs) Sometimes I'm worried people don't understand how much I love my dog. Do you ever have trouble communicating to people how good Piper and Ziggy actually are? Yes. That, oh, my goodness. (laughs) That is the perfect question because I genuinely feel like that sometimes. Like sometimes, oh, this is even, I'm not even embarrassed to admit it. But (laughs) This is a safe space. Yes. Um, there, there is video footage of me standing at like our kitchen basin after breakfast, watching Piper just crying. Right. Mm. And it's, and (laughs) everyone's laughing at me because I was crying because of how much I love her and how, you know, you never want to think about it, but you know, that what a dog's mortality rate is. And I, Mm. and I just get so overwhelmed by it sometimes because I can't put into words how much I love these dogs and you and you want to say to people they're not just dogs they're such a important life source almost so I completely connect to to you saying that because I don't think people get it um I have a question that I'm now confident asking you based on (laughs) what you've just said so I was also just saying to my producer before you came on the line that my most common recurring dream slash nightmare is that I'm at a One Direction concert but I can't find Bert, my dog. And actually, (laughs) no matter what I'm dreaming about, there's a subplot which is that I can't find Bert. Wow. So I'm just wondering if your sort of love and potential anxiety about your dog's mortality and safety and stuff um, bothers you when you're unconscious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Uh, And I think, again, this is a, a common occurrence in my family is we'll often talk about nightmares where one of the dogs is sick or missing or, you know, if that I've had ones where it's like there's some sort of natural disaster happening and we have to, you know, flee the house, evacuate, and we're trying to evacuate but we can only find one dog. Like I've oh. had ones like that. Yeah. And But even then like conscious when I'm conscious <laughs> sometimes if I'm and because like I'm coming to you from my bedroom slash office at the moment so this is where I work from this is where I live most of the yep. time <laughs> and if I know someone else is walking the dogs and I get a phone call from them and I'm in the zone and I get a phone call and I know they're working the dogs and it might just be can you remind me we need to get milk kind of vibe mm. but if I see the name of the person working the dogs on my phone, I think one of the dogs has been hit by a car. Yep. And it's yep. irrational, but I do it every single time. And I just have that heart-stopping moment of like, oh, my God, what's wrong with the dogs? Um, how do you reckon the dogs have helped you get through this absolutely mad time we've been having in the last 18 months? Uh, they've certainly been the break. You know, the I think one of the fatal errors I made when we first went into this lockdown was take on the attitude that quite a few people did as well of Shakespeare wrote King Lear 
I know, you know, appendix. And I did that. And I think when you're, when you're a creative person and, and you'll know this as well, you're like, okay, I have all the spare time that I've mm-hmm. been talking about that I need to, to write my next book. So let's do but it But not now. just book, masterpiece. You're like, masterpiece, this will yes. be. Bestseller, <laughs> bestseller, you know, the whole thing. And I, I really was working to death, I think, last year, um, was not, you know, went from having kind of normal work hours, again, mm-hmm. working for yourself, it's not very good um, in terms of time management, but to seven days a week. Oh, God. All yeah, okay. hours, terrible habits, being in bed on my laptop, that kind of stuff, because it was a way to kind of distract from the fact that we couldn't do normal stuff, but also, you know, because I felt this self-imposed pressure to, to mm. achieve more because I had more time on my hands. And, you know, a few things happened last year where it pushed me to my edge, um, mm. you know, a few things I couldn't control um, and a few things that were kind of self-imposed. And I, I had a really kind of dark moment because of that and, and had a, something of a breakdown, I think, is what I can look oh, at it oh, as Oh, well, I'm so sorry. Uh, well, you know... Don't be sorry because I feel a lot stronger because okay. of it. Good. And I think, you know, it, I learned a lot through it and it was, yeah, easily the most horrible moment of my life. But now, you know, it's literally, I'm looking at my calendar, it's literally 12 months on, you mm-hmm. know, um, from that. And I have a completely different perspective of what's important and how to look after myself. And the central element, and I can't, I'm not overstating this at all, that that supported me to the when I got to that point where I couldn't even check my emails without Mm. being so anxious and I couldn't I couldn't do anything I could barely leave this room was to and I will get emotional talking about this Mm. but you know the two most beautiful things who are so emotionally in tune and knew exactly where I was at more than I did beautiful faces perfect perfect things that were there for me every single second. And not that's not to say my family wasn't, but there's something that a dog can bring you that no one can say. Yeah. And I think that they are, for that reason, probably the most important thing in making it through this ridiculous time for all of us, but that particularly difficult time for me, mm-hmm. um, being able to just give up my my rule of, you know, no dogs on the bed. Well, that went out the window, didn't it? Um, <laughs> of course it did. Um, and them just being there. And, I, like, sometimes when I started being able to get back to do work stuff, Piper would sit right there and just watch me the whole mm. time I was on my computer or, you know, sniff and check and, and do that kind of stuff which is like, it's crazy. It's amazing. Amazing mm. thing. So I've, I feel so grateful to, to have them. And I think we all do in this house as well. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm just so, I'm just so glad that they were there for you. You know, I, if, um, if I had my way and some kind of like magical power or political power, one of the two, <laughs> I would give everyone a dog for those situations, yeah. you know, and you're telling this story to the right person. I mean, basically, I wrote a whole book about dogs. And Mm. the reason I did that was because I noticed how beautiful and how important my dog was to me um, during periods of either intense sadness or clinical depression or anxiety or other, you know, myriad 
<laughs> physical health problems, whatever it was. Um, but particularly, you know, I write in the book about a, um, a really awful depressive episode and Bert just, yeah, I mean, as you say, just, just stuck by me. But also I'm convinced knew that there was emotional distress happening, you know, so many people say, well, they're just a dog, they're just a dog. But you'll be pleased to hear that I used the research from my book as an excuse to confirm my suspicions of their emotional sophistication. <laughs> so I asked a bunch of like canine behavioural experts and vets and all sorts of people who know a lot more about dog science than I do, you know, is it possible that my dog has empathy? Uh, can my dog smell depression on me? And does my dog know when I'm in distress? And everyone I spoke to without exception said, yes, 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 yes. Um, you know, we can't, basically, I mean, I, I can't understand why, but no one has funded research into whether dogs can smell emotion. <laughs> but so they don't, they can't confirm that. But um, this very fancy Canadian dog expert said, yes, I mean, that that is highly possible because of your it might be change in pheromones. It might even mm. be that sadness has a smell that we can't detect mm. with our inferior noses. Um, but also they've done these lovely experiments that basically suggest dogs can absolutely have empathy. Um, and wow. here's a lovely one is that lots of species uh, in the animal kingdom have empathy for their own species, but there's not really much evidence that they have empathy for other species, whereas wow. dogs have empathy for other dogs but also for human beings, which is <gasps> just <laughs> too See, much. See, that's the scientific <laughs> research that will be all in my family group chat tonight and we'll good. be very happy about that. Good, good. I, I, we need to disseminate it far and wide <laughs> so people fully appreciate the beauty of these of these animals. have seen some beautiful pictures of them at the beach on your dog's Instagram. Yes. And I'm very jealous because Bert is very, very upset about the ocean. He finds moving water of any kind, but particularly waves, just infuriating. And so if we've ever taken him to the beach and expected it to be like a peaceful experience, it's not because he goes to the shoreline and chases the waves in and out, digs very angrily and becomes furious. Like he's angry with the ocean, like the whole ocean. Wow. <laughs> um, so how do your dogs behave at the beach and around nature? Are they as perfect as those pictures make it look? Um, yeah, <laughs> so we're really lucky where I live in Cronulla. Uh, there's a patch of beach that is from 6 in the morning till 10 a.m. and from 4 p.m. to later in the evening. It's a designated dog beach, which is amazing. Perfect. Ziggy is loves the water, loves swimming, will be quite a daredevil and a few times I've been like I'm ready to jump in if I need to get him in summer I will swim at that dog beach with oh. them and Ziggy will swim with me which is awesome um he really loves it and is pretty calm in the water Piper she's come around to it she was quite wary of it she gets very distressed if I'm in the water because she thinks I'm drowning but she'll go for a little bit of a swim they do really love it um they are completely schnitzled by the time we're trying to get back in the car <laughs> covered in sand and that's a bit of a nightmare so I, I, I love that term. <laughs> <laughs> um and they always make a new best friend actually the thing that piper does on the beach which is 
yeah, can get us into a bit of trouble is she steals other dogs' balls. Oh. So it doesn't matter if we come down with a, te- a tennis ball or whatever, she will find someone else's and take it and be like, I'm faster than this dog, so I will take their ball. And I ha- am not a- apologising about it. So we're always being like, oh, Piper, bring it back. Sorry. <laughs> Well, do you know, I'm very glad that you apologise on behalf of Piper because I had a very distressing incident recently where I was at the park. There's a park near us where you can take the dogs off the lead and I took Bert's favourite ball. It's like a half red, half yellow tennis ball that I think is made for kids because it's very smushy and he doesn't have a very big mouth so usually struggles to hold a normal tennis ball. So it's his favourite ball. We threw it at the park and this poodle... This chocolate poodle just trotted by and took the ball and kept walking. And there was a man walking with the poodle and the man picked up the ball and just kept walking. Oh, my goodness. And, like, saw, like, knew that the ball belonged to my dog and didn't even glance at me. And he walked so nonchalantly off into the distance. I was about to say sunset, but it was morning, so it wasn't. I mean, I'm <laughs> embellishing. But walked off with, like, the ball behind his back, it just in his hands, ready to throw and just continued to play with it with his dog. And I was like, this is, the audacity is breathtaking. And I almost went after him, but obviously I did not because I didn't want that confrontation, but I spoke about it for that days. That is terrible dog owner etiquette. Isn't like, it? Who does that? And poor little Bert, he was like looking around like, I swear I had my favourite ball right here. Oh, no. Oh, it's devastating. We had to distract him. Very upsetting. I'm pretty sure he forgot about it, you know, as soon as we got home and he had to check the garden for cats as his very important job. But I have been <laughs> outraged about it for days. <laughs> Weeks, actually. It happened quite a while ago. And I'm yeah, yeah. Clearly, I'm still, I'm still worked Fresh. up about it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Let's move into some quick-fire questions about them. <laughs> Do Piper and Ziggy have a favourite person? I would say Piper. Piper's favourite person is me. Um, she and I have a very special connection. My family will fight me to the death that I've said this. I, I, she really does. Like she refuses to go on walks if I'm not there. So like, she'll just be standing at the gate waiting for me to join. And if I don't join, she refuses to go. Um, so I think that that's evidence enough that Mm. I am the favorite. Um, and Ziggy's favorite is my mum because she's food. So, oh, yes. Yeah, okay. so she, she does a lot of the dishing out the dinner. So he's just like, you are the greatest thing ever because you just give me food. So, yes. Speaking of food, I have seen photographic evidence of your dogs uh, eating peanut butter from the jar. Yes. What do they have to do to earn that very precious treat? Um, It's not so much them earning. It is more that the, they're towards the the end of the jars and we want them to be quiet for at least an hour so good tool that's very smart that's very smart uh Bert gets a lot of peanut butter when we cut his hair because we bought some clippers online uh my boyfriend puts him in the shower and clips his hair and I am in charge of peanut butter distribution (laughs) very very vital job How many hours of sleep would you say they get in a day? 
Oh, gosh. They do sleep quite a bit. Mm. And I, I, for a little while I was getting a bit concerned, but apparently it's a good sign of a dog that's very happy and, yes. and content because they, they do love sleeping a lot in the day. And a lot of the time at night I hear them, um, you know, chasing possums. Um, so I think they get tired <laughs> from that. So they sleep quite a bit. I would say a lot of the day. Yeah, yeah. So does Bert. And I get worried sometimes too, but I do a lot of Googling about whether my dog is happy and yes it's a good sign it's a good sign that they're meant to sleep a lot do the dogs know any human english words like walkies or sit or chicken yes definitely know walk sit and shake that was a big part of training when they were puppies so if you say sit and shake to ziggy and piper is like further in the backyard you'll just see her do it at the same time oh no without even talking to her yes (laughs) That's it's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. They do like know other people in our lives' names. So they're a big oh. fan of my uncle. Um, so if you say, oh, where's where? Uncle Adam? Their ears will go up. <gasps> and That's cute. We say one of my um, best mates who was around a lot when Piper was a puppy, we say it's Piper's boyfriend because if you say, where's Joe, like she'll go nuts. And if he comes, oh. he like she reacts in a way that she doesn't with a lot of other people. If they could talk, what do you think they'd sound like? We talk about this all the time. Yeah, so do we. (laughs) So because Ziggy is a bluey and he's a big boy and we're like, you would have seen my podcast is Chicks and Balls, so we we love sport in this house. So we think of him as a front rower in a rugby league team. Um, (laughs) So he'd be a bit of a meathead and, oh, yeah, just going down the pub with the boys for a beer kind of vibe. So that's the sort of thing. Or, oh, your mum, when's dinner ready? Oh, can we have steak? Like that sort of vibe. (laughs) So I think that that's definitely Ziggy. And Piper is, like, very quiet, very, you know, is everyone okay? I'm a little bit anxious. Oh, oh what was that wind? She gets really scared of wind. <laughs> Typical, again, of Kelpies. Anyone who knows, owns a Kelpie knows this. This is what they're like. They're afraid of a lot of things. Oh, are you okay? I'm sorry. Oh, you you stood on my tail. I'm sorry. Like, oh, that's yeah. Her. I mean, Piper sounds a lot like me in personality. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, finally, before I let you get on with your evening, do you or the dogs have any projects coming up that you'd like to mention and, in fact, that you can mention because I know you have a secret a secret. Yes. Um, you know what? After this conversation, I feel like I want to involve my dogs more in my work. Um, <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, so much of what I do has absolutely nothing to do with them, but it would be amazing. Um, yes, I do. Ha- I am working on a a new podcast, um, which will be a limited series that will come out in a few months' time that I can't really mention, but I will let you know it is in the realm of sport and it's speaking to some pretty incredible athletes. Amazing. And I'm also working on a children's book at the moment, which is pretty cool, which I can't talk too much about either, but that will be out some point in the future. If the children's book doesn't have dogs in it, may I suggest that your next children's book... Yes. Has dogs in it. Surely. <laughs> Surely. Well, this is the thing, though. The problem is, though, I mean, Bluey, the TV show, has completely ruined. <gasps> and there's yeah. no way you can have competition with that, and especially having a blue cattle dog. The best thing is every time we walk Ziggy and a little kid walks past, they go, Bluey. Oh. So it's, it's, a, it's nice. <laughs> Molly, thank you so much 
for talking to me. I hope to meet the dogs one day. Please give them my love and tell them to keep looking after you. And thank you so much for your time. No, thank you so much. That was like the most fun. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Who's a Good Dog? If you like the show, hit subscribe on your favourite podcast app and tell your friends at the dog park. If you didn't like it, keep it to yourself. And if you really, really liked it, I actually wrote a whole book about dogs. It's called Good Dog, celebrating the dogs who change and sometimes even save our lives. It's about my dog, Bert, and how he helped me through depression, and 10 other good dogs who've helped their people too. There's a diabetic alert dog, a border terrier who was once presented a special award at Crufts by Ginger Spice, and a dog who helps school kids read. Basically, if you like dogs, I can almost guarantee you'll like this book. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok on at Kate I. Lever. This episode of Who's a Good Dog was produced by Arlie Adlington. Original music is by Luke Bat, and the artwork is by Ryan Hodge. Happiness levels of everyone involved significantly increased by the existence of Bert the dog. a good dog you just heard a stripped media production